to this webinar. Again, it should be a game changer for you if you're new to these concepts. Uh, just a quick check to everybody who's here. Please go ahead and uh, just let me know if the sound is good for you. Uh, let's see, I need to mute. Very cool. And of course, you can always, uh, you can always, if you're on YouTube, just use a live chat. And if you're here with us on the GoToWebinar, you can type in uh, to the chat box and let us know uh, if you have questions or anything. Today, we're going to cover a favorite subject of mine, really a game changer for me personally, not only when I traded um, equities, but also futures, when I moved from being a high volume scalper to trading for structure, one of the things that was always missing because the emphasis is always on entries, exits, and so on, you know, setups, everybody wants to talk about setups. One of the pieces that was missing is the fact that the market is random. So we're going to get into some material here that hopefully will open your eyes um, and, and get you to think more professionally about what you're doing. That is the intent and the reason Convergent Trading was created and the reason that we do these live webinars is to bring your game to a higher level. I want to remind you that derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. What we're going to discuss today is applicable to any kind of trading, futures, crypto, uh, equities, your equity, long-term portfolio, your equity day trading, uh, CFDs, Forex, um, I don't know, baseball cards, whatever it is, if it has value and can be traded this advice is uh, applicable. So here we go. What are we gonna cover today? We're gonna talk about R factors or R multiples. I like to use R factors. R multiples is uh, a concept that was introduced to me by good old Dr. Van Tharp. Uh, Van Tharp in a, in a book uh, that I read very early on in my career. The exact name of the book is i wrote it down here in my notes trade your way to financial freedom i read um i read the discipline trader and i read a whole bunch of books when i was learning especially like the market wizard series and so on uh this was in the year 2000 and um and van tharp was the one that really kind of changed things i had the book for a long time um read maybe a chapter or two, stuck it on a shelf. And then when I switched from being a high volume scalper, almost like a market maker to trading structure, which was in 2005, 2006, um, I picked the book back up and it really uh, helped me figure some things out. So we're gonna be, I'm gonna be calling them R factors. He calls them R multiples. I didn't remember what he called them. So I've been calling them R factors all along. So I don't wanna change that. Uh, the next subject we're going to talk about is true or false profitability is all about entries and exits, right? Uh, this is this is a common topic. What our stops what our stops really do for us? Um, our experience with traders historical win percent. I'm going to share with you some information that we've gathered over time. We'll talk about that. It'll be very interesting. Let me turn down my newsfeed here. We're going to talk about Van Tharp's bag of marbles. And then we're going to talk about being patient. You know, you get this advice, be patient, be patient. Or the other advice that we all know, as you might guess, is um, 
cut your losses short, let your winners run. That's great anecdote, but it doesn't really mean anything in terms of execution. So let's dig right in. Again, I invite you, I invite you to um, to ask your questions as they come along. Uh, Landau's here with us. Landau is uh, part of the Convergent Trading team, and he will bring that any questions that are relevant. Lando, feel free to interrupt me while I'm talking. Uh, we'll bring the question, we'll read the question out so that I can answer it on the fly. So, R factors. Just a quick recap. Uh, very simply, R stands for risk. Very, very obvious. Uh, risk is the amount we're willing to lose to get a return, right? How much am I willing to pay to get a return? R is the point at which we must exit a trade. So we define the point where we have to exit the trade. That is our R in this R factor. Um, and the idea behind defining that is to not have outsized losses for our wins, because if we do, then profitability goes down the drain. And it really ties in with how people are kind of naturally programmed to to think and to act in trading, it goes against what we're covering today. So R is the point at which we must exit a trade to prevent outsized losses um, versus the returns. Not just outside losses, period, but outside losses versus the returns. Our focus, uh, so R factor or R multiples computed very simply as the total gain for a trade in terms of dollars, ticks, or points. I strongly urge you to never use dollars to describe your statistics. Go to ticks, the lowest common denominator in uh, futures trading, uh, points as well. When you talk dollars, there's an attachment, there, there's an automatic attachment to value and we don't want to look at trading in terms of the value of our loss or the value of our gain. So our factor is a total gain divided by the amount we initially risk. So we're going to enter a trade. My risk is for a one lot is one point, and I expect to get two points for that one point. So two divided by one, that's a 2R trade. It's expect, expressed as a 2R trade. Okay. So Again, our focus is on our factors, and I want to remind you that expectancy, which is something I've talked about a lot, expectancy is is a mathematical equation that that uh, that uses your win percent, multiplies it by your average winner, and then subtracts your loss percent multiplied by your average loss, gives you the expected value or the expectancy. Our factors and expectancies are very tightly tied together because um, our factors don't take into account probabilities, expectancy does, but our factor covers the expected, the average win and average loss of the expectancy uh, equation uh, is covered by the R factors uh, portion. So, true or false, probability, profitability is all about where we enter and exit. Let's get you interacting here. I know. You might know that my answer is different, but I want you to express your opinion. There's no right or wrong here, although you're probably wrong. I'm probably right. Um, how important, 
from on a scale from one to ten, how important are entries and exits to you? Entries and exits, how important are they? Just type in a number. Five, they're average. One, they're not important at all. Ten, most important thing. Go ahead and answer. I know there's a bit of a delay here. So I'm going to keep going because I don't want to stand here, but uh, you can say true or false, or you can say on a scale of one to 10, entries are the live or die thing that I worry about, or the entries and exits are, are a one on a scale of one to 10. They're very uh, unimportant to me. Um, let's see what you say. Oh, I'm looking at your live feed here. It looks like the folks on YouTube are saying five, eight, five, false, eight, 10, 25 percent, five, one, 10, zero, three, nine. So we're all over the place. The folks over on the GoTo webinar are saying 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, eight, two, true, eight. So the consensus, I would say, I don't know if you agree, Landau, but the consensus is entries and exits are extremely important. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from this. Yeah, I'd say um, most people are ranking them pretty important. Pretty important. Okay. So let me blow your mind. They're not as important as you think. Yes, they are at the point at which we engage the market and disengage, and therefore your PL is, is uh, computed by that. But that should not be your focus. My job for the next uh, 45 minutes or so or half hour is to convince you to change your mind, okay? So, what do you think? We got what you think. How about for very the very next trade? So, if we look at the importance of an entry and an exit for the very next trade, because most traders are very next trade centric, we only think, we're kind of programmed to think that, um, the very next trade is the most important thing. I'm gonna tell you that it's not, and any professional in the business will tell you that it's not. Um, the entry and exit are really, really uh, uh, key to profitability. You need to step back and recognize that the very next trade is nothing but randomness. It's just noise. It truly is. Um, so the question then is carried forward to say, how about for the for a thousand trades? Is the is your answer the same? Are you going to be very particular about entries and exits on the next 1,000 trades? Are you going to remember how you entered and why and where you exited and why your stop was there? Why your uh, why you scaled out, you're not going to remember that over a thousand trades. It's not important. The important piece is what you got from the trade versus the amount you risked. So when you focus on a large number of trades, we simply cannot live or die by the next or last trade. If you have traded and do feel that trading is stressful, you fall into the category of people who are very focused on each discrete individual trade. So, and if you if you focus on each individual discrete trade, then entries and exits are extremely important to you, extremely important to you, and the stress level is very, very high. And wherever there's stress, you bring in the chimp, 
then you bring in the the whole adrenaline cortisol all these things into our mind our mind goes from being a panoramic um camera to zooming in to very very little and the more stress the more we zoom in uh and that's where you get that uh chimp mind and that's why people blow up and then look at their what they've done the next day or that afternoon when they've calmed down and and just want to smack their head against the wall because they think what was i thinking it's because now you're back to seeing things out here but when the stress was on you were here and it's really hard to see uh the big picture so i don't know how to make what i just said more impactful other than to repeat it again and again and again but the fact is you're not here because you're trying to make the next trade a winner hey i'm not here and i'm not trading so i can make the next trade a winner my desire is that every trade is a winner the reality is it can't be so my attitude is to accept that this is the case i don't really put too much effort into trying to make every trade a winner this is a lost um this is kind of a wasted effort it's very stressful it is it wears you out and eventually what happens is you get uh decision fatigue and you get information fatigue because you in order to guarantee yourself a win you have to bring in more and more and more information and therefore you're taking price risk and so you're fomo trading and you're you're just doing things that are more uh again if i can just um bluetooth that into your brain i believe in my opinion i can turn you into a profitable trader or at least uh less of a losing trader if you are almost immediately let's focus on a large number of trades what's your performance over a large number of trades how large it's not it's hard to say but you don't want to sit here and focus on having a next win and a next win which means by definition that profitability is not all about where we enter and exit it really isn't it is about profitability is a function of r factor more so than entries and exits so my entries and exits can be whatever and i'll go through that in a minute i haven't convinced you yet i get it but hang in there we need to we'll i'll show you how this works empirically mathematics entries and exits simply dictate how easily or probably or likely we can achieve profitability that's true so where i enter if i'm if i'm getting long if i'm getting long and i'm entering just below resistance then the probabilities are not on my side and that trade is likely to move towards my stop more easily than my profit target which is on the other side of what we decide as resistance right so entries and exits simply um control or have a heavy influence on how likely you are to get your r factor but they are not what determines profitability in my opinion entries and exits are discrete in nature this is another piece that's really really hard to kind of get through our skull entries and exits are discrete every outcome is random 
and every outcome is not related. The word discrete, D-I-S-C-R-E-T-E, -E, means stands by itself, individual, unconnected, unrelated. So the very next trade I take is completely unrelated to the last. We as human beings are designed to look for patterns and we connect trades to each other. We'll talk about that in a minute, more detail. Again, with an example. So understand that the very next trade you take has no bearing on, or the last trade that you took, whether won or lost, has no bearing on the trade you're about to, to take. This is fact because the, all of the information on your chart at the hard right edge, all of that information is constantly brand new and the ticks come randomly. There are way too many participants deciding and timing and getting long or short at random times for us to be able to make a connection between them. So each trade stays alone. How important are they really in the long run? Meaning the exits and entries of each individual trade in the long run don't mean anything. I still haven't convinced you and I will. What are stops really do for us? So a quick word on stops. So stops are considered the nemesis. How many of you here, um, just be honest, right? How many of you here make and believe that a lot of your effort is uh, to the vein of um, reducing the number of stops you take? Go ahead and type your answer. How much effort, do you put in a lot of effort to select trades that attempt to avoid stops? Is your goal not to be stopped out? Is that your goal as a trader? Be honest, tell me if that's the case. Let's talk about stops while you're answering. Everyone hates a stop out. Many go through great mental acrobatics to avoid taking uh, a stop out. It's, it's um, we have some very developed ways to avoid stop outs. So we will do things like, well, I entered right, but I seem to be trading too tight. So let me move my stop away because I just realized by entering into the trade that, you know, now I'm smarter. I've gained more information. I can see how it's moving versus my entry. So now I can make decisions based on that. And therefore I need to extend my stop. This is a false idea. Uh, there are there are many, many reasons people move their stops. Oh, well, you know, I took so many stops and therefore I, I, you know, there's no way given the number of stops, how in the heck am I going to take another stop out since I already took six stop outs in a row? I don't need a stop this time. It's got to work in my direction. Remember the prior slide talked about every trade having a discrete math or having a discrete probability. So right there. We're creating a chain of events that are related to each other, okay? We'll get into that. It's called martingaling. We'll get into that in a second. Let's change your attitude about stops. I want to change your attitude about stops. Stops are simply the potential cost. It's not always the cost. It's the potential cost we must pay to have the opportunity to see if our bias, entry, stop, and target are all correct. 
We have to get all four of these correct. Timing is built into it. Timing is the fifth piece, but timing is built into everything, right? Timing it. There's no action without a timestamp in it. So you have to get four things right. And your stop is that the other side, that's basically your protection or your cost. So let's, I'm gonna use the MES because it's extremely popular. So is the MNQ. I'm going to use the MES. I'm going to risk $1.5 to see if I can get $1.5. Okay. I'm essentially accepting the potential that I'm going to buy my the right to participate in this trade for $5. I'm holding a token for $5 that I can put into the machine which is a random generator, really. I'm going to put this $5 into the machine. It's either going to give me $5 or it's going to take my $5. Okay, this example I just gave you, what is the R factor on that trade? What is the R factor? See if you can answer that while I keep going. I'm just going to take a $5 token. I'm going to walk, into, walk up to a random generator. I'm going to put my $5 in. And it's either going to take my $5 or give me my $5 back and give me an additional $5. So the amount at risk is $10. I'm risking five to get five. The R factor is what? See if you're following. So your stop is really inevitably a way of deciding how much you're willing to pay in order to see if you're right. Okay, and different products require different stops. And so without a stop, you're essentially saying, hear me out here, just listen carefully. Without a stop, you're essentially saying, I'm willing to, to pay my entire account value. I have, let's say, a $10,000 micros account. When I go in and I don't know what my stop is going to be, I am essentially saying I'm willing to risk some random portion of $10,000 to find out if this one trade will pay out. What is the R factor on that? Is it even knowable? We'll talk about that again a little bit later. Stops are a seatbelt in our voyage towards profitability. That's how you have to look at it. If you're someone who believes that you can drive a car without a seatbelt because you've never been in an accident, then you're probably someone who doesn't believe in stops either. However, when it's time that you need that seatbelt, it'll be too late. This is why we wear a seatbelt. It is a protection. Your stop is not your enemy. Your stop is not something you're trying to avoid. Your stop is simply your exit or the cost of participating. You want the market to take your stop as quickly as possible when you're wrong so that you can find reset and find the next opportunity. If we don't have a stop, Let's say in the, you know, yesterday's trading or the prior day, we had these big rallies uh, across the board in in the market and the indices. If if you didn't have a stop, you were short the entire day. Imagine the opportunity cost of not being able to participate in the long side because you never got stopped out. That's what a stop does for you. Without defining and taking a stop, we move from being a calculated risk taker to, to a simple and random gambler. It's harsh, I'm gonna say this, 
but without respecting your stops, you're becoming a gambling degenerate. You become one of these people that need Gamblers Anonymous. Really, you should not be trading without defining risk. So without a, without a stop, we don't know our R factor. Again, the sh this, this webcast is about R factors, and the point I'm trying to emphasize here is the importance of R factors. If you don't understand R factors, you really would have a very hard time realizing profit, profitability in, in the long run. In the example I gave you earlier, where we take a $5 token, we put it in a random generator to see if we win or lose $5, the R factor is one. The R factor is one. We risk five to gain five. The R factor is one. Okay. So next. Oh, again, without a stop, we don't know our R factor. So one of the key things I want you to walk away with here today, we don't trade without knowing our R factor. If you are one of my prop traders and I didn't put you through the process of coming up with a plan and identifying your um, structure, answering the question of why the market should pay you and then identifying the R factor that goes with um, the R factor that goes with the trades that you'll be taking, then you cannot, I cannot risk my money on you. You're not going to trade a prop account. You're not. Uh, there's no point in me doing that. It's, it's uh, very much like um, uh, having uh, someone propose a business deal to risk millions of dollars of the company's money without identifying the risk and at the same time identifying the return per unit of risk because that's what our factor is. So if we don't do that, that's not a reasonable investment and that's not a sustainable business. So again, it's in bold here in bigger letters. We don't trade without knowing our R factor. What is the R factor we're going for here? We have to know what that is, okay? Our experience with traders historical win percent. So this is based on my experience over the last 12 years that I've been out in the public with trader performance. One of the things that I, I used or brought into my prop shop uh, as part of the training process is called the to coin toss exercise. Many, many followers who've been around, um, who've been around know that, um, that this is something that uh, I've shared publicly. The coin toss exercise goes through multiple phases of sizing trades based on our factor essentially. And what we do is we track how the trader does with various R factors and we look at the same statistics as if the trader's performing live. So we look at um, win percent, loss percent, expectancy. We look at percent full stop, best scale outs. Looks like news coming through here. Uh, we look at um, uh, best scale outs and things like that. And then over time, over the years, over thousands of coin toss trades done on simulators, the stable win rate is somewhere around 30, 35%. Now, I want you to remember, oops, I keep forgetting to scroll this thing. I want you to remember that, that number. So on a random coin toss, on a random coin toss with one R factor, meaning we're going to risk the same amount 
for our stop as we do for our return. The overwhelming majority of participants had a win rate of 30 to 35 percent. 35, 30 to 35%. Remember that number, okay? I want to remind you also that there are absolute these are absolutely random trades, that uh, there's no um there's no selection of uh there's no selection on entry, there's no accounting for exits, time of day, trend, bias, day of week, uh what time you entered, what time you closed. There's absolutely no technical analysis whatsoever in the coin toss exercise. Do you all follow this? Let me let me see some engagement. Do you all follow what I what I'm talking about here on a random coin toss? And the coin toss is very simple. You toss the coin x number of times, usually 50 times, 30 to 50 times for each exercise. You toss a coin if it's heads, you buy at that moment. If it's tails, you sell. As soon as you exit the trade, as soon as the trade stops or the target gets triggered, you uh, pause for a period of time, preset period of time, you toss the coin, you enter the next trade. Completely random and you're just using the buy and sell button. You're not leaning against support, you're not trading a fib, you're not trading a moving average. Very, very simple stuff. So heads, buy, tails, sell, and you do it over and over and over in a simulator with a one R factor trade. The stable win rate for most people on a large sample size is around 30 to 35%. That's the win percent, okay? So remember that. Here's a little nugget that I wanna share with you. Based on my experience with various software I developed like the Trade Analyzer and um, the convergent trading's um, trade log sheet and so on. With live and simulated trades taken by traders who uh, who share their results on either with me directly or on our group mentoring sessions, uh, we had one last Thursday, our group mentoring sessions where they send us their statistics, those that I've looked at uh, through uh, one of the brokerages uh, that I've run, uh, including EdgeClear, uh, those that come from the EdgeWatch app, the performance metric that stands out for traders who are uh, actively pursuing doing studies and uh, and doing technical analysis and having a bias and timing trades and so on, their win rate. The, the overwhelming majority of inconsistent, unprofitable traders, their win rate is what? Guess what their win rate is going to be? Unfortunately, there's a delay and I can't wait for your answers because we'll be here forever. But the nugget that I wanna share with you here is on live trades and sim trades where the trader is not or doesn't believe they're trading randomly and are doing their homework and have setups and so on or not, um the actual win rate is somewhere between 30 and 35 percent what is the conclusion and i've seen this myself right in past performance and again past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results but you would think it would be like 50 percent or 60 percent or hey i use volume profiling and order flow so my win rate 70 percent 
most of the time on a large sample, when you take everybody's performance and lump it together, it comes out to somewhere around 30 to 35%, which is the same outcome, the same win percent as the random coin toss exercise. Uh, so this is how it is. This is based on how people trade technically, uh, what they've done, incorporating their errors, uh, incorporating their homework, and so on. So we're, we're getting a, a lot of questions as to why it isn't 50-50. That's everybody's asking, why is it not 50-50? Why should it be 50-50? Why should it be equal? The market has a bias. People have a bias. The market's random, but it's not a coin toss because there are trends up and down there are choppy days and people are trying to trade breakouts um there are days that are trending and people are trying to trade mean reversions it's really there's no reason why it should be 50 50. there's an you can make a better argument that it can't be 50 50. because you're the people who are considering that it should be 50 percent are conflating the outcome or the possibility of the next trade, which is I have a 50% chance of winning or losing on the very next trade. But on a large number of trades, the 50-50 doesn't work. It, it, it can't be um, because the, the market has a trend built in. It trades differently at different times, different in, on different days and so on. It's, it's not 50-50. We're talking about win percent, not outcomes. Outcomes, 50-50, no argument. You're either going to win or lose on the very next trade, period. I know this is a hard concept to grasp because people conflate probabilities, historical probabilities, like a win percent with outcomes. Outcomes are simply predicated on the number of outcomes there are, mathematically or statistically. If I'm tossing a die one die that has six sides my probability of the out the the outcome of that die can only be one out of six right one out of six which is what like 16.66 percent that i would get one two three four five or six on the, because it has six outcomes but since we can only win or lose in trading even a scratch trade has a has a loss to it the outcome is 50-50 all the time, all the time, all the time. So you're either, it's binary. It's either gonna be uh, you, you hit the event or didn't hit the event. But I can sit here and generate, like look at the coin toss exercise. It has a one point loss or $5 loss for every $5 gain. And we do thousands of these randomly. Why isn't that 50%? Because it's easier to catch your stop than to catch a target for one. Uh, a stop is market-based, a target is limit-based, might not get filled, but more importantly, the market has a skew. The market has a sideways skew, an upward skew, or a downward skew all the time, right? So it cannot be 50-50. If the market was a flat line, then it can be 50-50 because the market's just binar is, is just one. It's just flat. But over time, and I know this is a very difficult thing for people to understand, but this is how it works. This is the reality of trading. Anyway, I'm moving on. 
Uh, I talked about the uh, trade right program. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I would strongly urge you, of course, to, since I started and founded um, Convergent Trading, I would urge you to take at least a month, go in there, do the trade right program so you can, and the point of it is to get you in the right mindset and thinking about trading in the way that it takes to be sustainable. You can go to go to ct.pro forward slash join. Um, there's a huge community in there. We cover this stuff all the time, including you know the the live chat, the market stats reports, and uh, and the study halls and the trade talks, and really pounding these ideas into you. The entire uh, idea behind the uh, behind convergent trading is to bring to you the quality of experience that is gained through prop you know training and developing prop traders. Uh, so it's not like a Discord channel or anything like that. Let's talk about Van Tharp's bag of marbles. Traders often resort to the Martingale strategy without knowing it. Let me explain Martingale for you in a, for a second here. Martingaling involves, simply involves doubling up on size on the next trade with every loss. So I just took a trade. I'm going to trade twice as much, you know, double my size. So I had a one lot, took a loss. I'm gonna, the next trade, I'm going to take a two lot. The trade after that, I'm going to take a four lot. The trade after that, I'm going to take an eight lot. Every time I have a loss, I'm going to double down so that it, when I win, I will recover my losses very quickly. That's called martingaling. Okay. This is a very famous strategy and it is extreme, has an extremely high risk of ruin because on losing, the, the, um, the uh, returns on losses or the the impact on losses is parabolic. Um, so if you took three losses in a row, you're doing that with one, two, and four lots. Uh, and then when you win, you cut you cut the size of every winner. You cut your size on every winner so that uh, you become more risk averse. This idea is uh, goes with the with the, the, there's a belief here that trades are related. So if I took a loss, then the probability that the next trade would be a loss has to be slightly reduced. We'll talk about the bag of marbles in a second. Okay, so that's the idea. The goal here is to repair the damage done by the loss. So I just took a loss, I'm gonna double down so I can make my money back and get back to zero. For example, if you started with $10,000, and you lost 50% of your account, then you have to have a return of 100% or 200% on that 50% on the remaining, or get a return of 100% over the, the $5,000 in order to get back to $10,000 or zero profit, zero gain loss. That's the idea behind it. It's predicated on trades being connected. This is a false assumption. Okay, so let's talk about the bag of marbles. Let's imagine you and I are trading against each other using a bag of marbles. Okay, so so if it's uh, a blue marble, you win. If it's a red marble, you lose. Okay, and what you have to observe in order to participate in this game is that because we come in believing that every trade is connected, is related to the last, then there's a 
finite number of blue or red marbles that could be in the bag or could be pulled out of the bag. So imagine 50 blue marbles, 50 red marbles in a bag. Every time I get a blue marble, the odds of the next one being red are higher. The odds are going to be higher that the next balls, uh, next marble is going to be red. So if I have taken out 30 blue marbles and I have 70 marbles left, 50 of those are going to be red. So when I reach in there and pull a marble out, the probability is, is going to be higher that I pull out a red instead of a blue because there's more than a two to one ratio of red marbles to blue marbles because I took 30 out. Does this represent trading? Please answer this. Is this how trading works? You have equal chance of winning or losing, 50 blue marbles, 50 red marbles, okay? Um, and then you pull a marble out, you get paid or you lose money and you put it away. Then your odds have changed. So if you lost money, then hey, you have 49 red marbles to 50 blue marbles. I'll stay in the game because my odds are getting better. And now maybe I'll even double down martingale right so every time i pull a pull it pull a marble out that's unfavorable i have a better chances at a favorable marble marble this is how people see trading this is how people think of trading what actually happens is that every trade is discrete or independent so the same 50 blue and red marbles are in the bag that we talked about earlier Every time we take out a marble, whether red or green, so you either get paid or pay out, we put it back in. We're putting that marble right back in. There's an infinite number of marbles, okay? So with the infinite number of marbles, we don't change our bet size based on the last, the outcome of the last trade. The only time we change our bet size is because the, prob the historical probability of a particular uh, condition in the market is more favorable than others. So it should not have anything to do with the last trade. So try to avoid focusing on the last trade and how it went. Log the trade, move on, that's it, okay? So the next thing and the last thing I wanna talk about here is being patient. It's not really the last thing, but it's the last topic, is about being patient. So. You get the advice, hey, you know, and I've said it in my trader bites in the morning, be patient, be patient. You know, the market's opening here, be patient. But what does that mean, right? What does that mean? Let's take a look at a mathematical example that kind of represents the market. Not really, but it comes close. This is a sheet that was created by Tendex. Tendex, you can follow him as Tendex Capital on Twitter. He's a head trader, a convergent. He created the sheet. We had a talk about it approximately three years ago or so. And I'm using this sheet with some modifications to illustrate a point. So I'm going to have to look to my right here. We're going to make some assumptions. You see the sheet in front of you. We're going to make some assumptions. We're going to start out with $10,000 in risk capital. Okay. We're gonna risk 1% on every trade. It's a fixed amount. It's not gonna change. It's 10,000, 1% uh, of the $10,000. We're not going to be um, compounding on this, 
okay? Because we don't want the, the chart to get parabolic because people have limits as to how much risk they can take and the markets have limits as to how much, how much liquidity they have. So we're gonna make it so that this chart always risks the same amount. It's 1% of the 10,000 risked and the gain is 1% of the 10,000 risked. So there's $200 per trade right now that are at that are that are on the table so there's a there's a variance of that and with a hundred dollars risked or a hundred dollars gained our our factor is one right based on what we talked about earlier you take the the total gain for a trade divided by the total loss you divide those with each other gives you an r factor okay in this case it's a hundred dollar gain for a hundred dollar loss r factor of one we're going to assume there's there are fees of $1.50 per round turn to trade the MES. We're going to look at the minimum risk being a dollar and a quarter, which is one tick in the MES. Okay. And the win percent is something that is created by the randomizer. So in here, there's a randomizer. You can see the, the randomizer here, and it's going to randomize. And we're going to this chart does not is going to update every time I hit F9. There are a thousand trades here, so it takes a little bit. But watch the account balance. Watch the account balance on one R factor. How does this chart look to you? How would you describe this chart? Would you invest in this chart? Given a thousand trades, you start at ten grand. You went to uh, $12,000. You might say, yes, I would, because the maximum drawdown is actually not too bad for the return, but it's relatively flat. I mean, I don't want a chart to be relatively, my equity curve shouldn't be this flat. So let's just leave the R factor and we're going to go through a bunch of cycles of one R factor. This is just one R factor, okay? We're risking as much as we're going to gain. Has no bearing on the entry. We're not talking about entry, trend, technical analysis, anything else. We're just talking about R factors with a 50, about a 50-50 return, and the return is going to be, or the the win percent is going to be uh, listed right there in the box. It goes green when it's positive, red when it's negative, or green when it's above 50%, red when it's below 50%. So here's the next trade. Look at the chart, pretty flat, right? The total returns 4% over 1,000 trades. Pretty flat, still. Yes, I know, it looks like we returned 26%. We got as high as 40%, but it's still pretty flat. So I can do this all day long. Look at how flat it is. Flat, flat. Yes, there's a return, but it's flat. Flat, somewhat trending. Look at the win percent, 51.9%. That's it. On one-to-one -one with those costs gets you that return. Why? Because we use stops. Return of 2%, chart is flat. 42% charts is rising. 38% charts rising. So the percent, the, the percent win really has a very high bearing because the R factor is just one. So as we go along here, now let's look at what happens when we 
increase the R factor by just a little bit. So I'm going to go to 1.1. Okay, so this. Mm, it's, it's not allowing me to extend it, but it's a 1.1 R factor. Um, let's just make it. Let's fix this, huh? While you watch. Bop. Okay. There, we just fixed it, all right? So 1.1 R factor, and now we're gonna hit the F9 button to randomize. Look at what happens when you randomize on 1.1. There's more, they're gonna notice more instances, even with a red win percent, more instances of the chart having a trend higher, just on 1.1 R, okay? Notice the return, return 129.8%, 8%, 68 .9%, 98.3%. Of course, these are not so realistic, but look at how often the return is positive versus the 1R on 50%. No negative overall return. Again, this is a, a this is hypothetical, okay? Past performance is not indicative. Look at what happens when we suddenly go to 1.5 R. Let's recompute. Now we're getting 50% more return than we are taking risk, okay? Randomizer, randomize, randomize, randomize. You see the chart pattern here? Randomize, randomize, and so on. Do you get the point? I look for 3R. That's what I'm looking for when I trade. Somewhere between 2 and 3R with scale outs. So this is not realistic. But you can see the point. This is purely random. This has nothing to do with technical analysis, profiling, what the Fed is doing, and so on and so forth. It's completely random. With 3R, your, your win percent, now remember, when you go to 1%, the, the thing that's really the assumption here that's really not great is that when you go to 3R, your win rate has to go your, your win rate has to go down, your loss rate has to go up. Okay? But at 3R with at 30%, which is where everybody's lumped, where I can trade randomly as a coin toss, right? I can still make money uh, theoretically. So this is what's important here. So you know, having a 50-ish percent win rate on 3R is, look at the equity curve here, we're almost a thousand percent return without even considering any part of technical analysis or what the market's doing. It's constantly, see how that's constantly rising. That's because we get paid three times what we risk. So when we lose half the time, it doesn't have much of an impact. So this is why entries, and exits over a large sample don't matter because each trade is discrete, each trade does its own thing. And our goal 
is to get a good R factor on a large number of traits. This is how it's done. This is the key element. I'm gonna get rid of the spreadsheet. Do you, are there any questions about how this spreadsheet's working or why, or do you wanna make a make a point about how this is unrealistic and so on? It's obviously unrealistic because the R, the percent win rate has to fall with a higher R factor. This is the whole basis behind momentum trading funds or trend following funds. They get a lot of, um, they get a lot of losing trades, but then when they catch that runner, like that Kathy, what's her name? Um, is it Kathy? Um, the Katie, maybe the Katie Woods. Uh, she Kathy caught Wood. that. Yeah, she caught that Tesla, and boom, she become a she becomes a world famous hedge fund, right? With the, with her own ETF. You don't have to be right so often. So. The idea here is not to focus too much on your win percent, but to focus on the trades that give you a high return per unit of risk. Just really important to remember. Here's what we want you to walk away with. This is the last thing I'm gonna cover. Do the math to figure out your R factor. So figure out what you can get for your um, risk when you're trading. Doesn't matter what you trade, it's in, in irrelevant to me what you trade. So do the math, sit down and figure out, okay, how much given my entries, given my stops, given my exits or scale outs and exits, what is the math of what is my R factor? Is it better than 1.5 or so? It needs to be, right? Preferably high, the higher the better, two or three or even higher is much better. The higher the R factor that you seek, the lower the win rate. If you're someone who's paranoid about getting stopped out and hates getting stopped out and feels like getting stopped out means you're a loser, then you're going to have a very hard time. And there's some psycholo psychological work that you need to do with someone like Jared Tendler or somebody about why it is that you insist on having a high win rate. A high win rate doesn't pay the bills. So there's a quote that I wrote here, and it is. The goal is not to be right. Having a high win rate, we want to be right. The only thing having a high win rate does for us, those people, if you're one of these people who are, um, who take a two tick winner and then hold for a 20 tick loser, your priority is to be right. So the goal is not to be right. The goal is to get paid. The goal is to get paid. Okay, so it is much more important to get paid when you're right. So our goal is not to always be right, but my goal is to be, to get paid well when I'm right. So if I catch that runner, I want it to run. I want it to run until the wheels fall off, until its shoes tear off its feet. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to be right all the time. And I know the whole Twitter sphere and fin, fin twit and fintech and fin whatever, everybody's touting how they're, they caught the big trade and so on. Um, but for every huge trade that you catch, there are probably many, 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 many losing trades. And you should be okay with that. Get to the point where you're okay with that and get to the point that when you take a lot of those losing trades and you happen to be on the right side at the right time to hang in there. Don't give the trade up too quickly because now 
you're getting paid. So the goal is not to be right, which means the goal is not to have a high win percent, which is what being right does. You you go for a tick and you're risking 10 points. That's being right, right? You can get that tick a lot, but when you get that 10 point, boy, it's going to hurt, right? So you might have a 90% win rate, but that one, the 10% that you lose on will put you way negative. Don't think that way. So sit down and do the math. Look for your product, what it is that you can extract given your time frame, given your style. What can you, uh, 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 what can you extract uh, for the risk that you have to take for the product? Each product is different because it depends on its volatility, rotations, liquidity, and so on. This can take an afternoon to puzzle out. This is like tuning a piano. Do you scale out, all in and all out, scale in? I like to scale out. I like to scale in sometimes. I like to scale out because my priority is to, to secure risk so that when it does run, I have a decent runner that I can just relax about because I still have, after 22 years of trading, I still have these issues where I kind of don't feel relaxed and don't open up my mind unless the risk is secured. It's just my nature being a, an A-type personality or something. Most important filter for when to trade, be, helping, be helpful if I turn the slide. Most important filter for when to trade, does it give you a reasonable R factor that you can attain? So if I'm taking a trade, can I get the R factor that I'm after? So if my trading scheme, and I'll show you how it looks like for me. So here's my trading platform. So let's say I click at 79. 79, I have four points of risk at 75. I have four points of gain at 83. You see that? Two lot at 83. And then above there, above there, let's go down to the 79 here. Above there, you can see the next scale out is at 86.75. That's statistical. And the last scale out, which is my runner, which I'll adjust, is at 91. The two, two, and two, Take the number of points times two, 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 and two, and then offset them with four points times six. That's my R factor. So in this particular scheme, my R factor is 2.02, 2.02 in the S&P in this time frame. It can be different for the Russell. It can be different for the NASDAQ or crude oil. So make sure you work out what that is. And is it attainable? So before I click, before I click, let's say I want to buy these 80s, I'm going to go to a chart. I'm going to go to my active chart and I'm going to see I'm buying the 80s. Therefore, I'm going to get out at 84. Is there anything at 84 that's likely to prevent me from getting that first scale out? If so, then I pass on the trade. That's the patience part. So the patience is over once I meet these criteria. So let's keep going here because we need to wrap up. Does it give you a reasonable R factor that you can attain? Next filter, does the market have to work hard to get my stop versus my targets? I always want to take a trade so that it can more easily get to my first target. So my skill, my, my risk is mostly off versus my stop. So as I toy around with what my entry is, given my R factor, I want to put my stop somewhere where the market has a hard time, will likely have a hard time getting it, right? So that's an important piece. And then finally, 
being patient is great advice, but it is completely without boundaries. When should I not be patient? Trade only when you see the above. This automatically helps you with this idea of looking at the R factor as the most important metric. It automatically helps you trade less, which means lower costs, less churn. Hey, I, I own EdgeClear, which is a brokerage which only gets paid when you trade live, but I'm gonna tell you trade less, right? The brokers will be fine here, but trade less. So if you're patient and your boundaries are set up based on how your R factor is playing, what structure you're trading, how your stop might get triggered versus your scale outs and your, your, your exits, so you can get a full R factor and so on, automatically you will trade less. Automatically you will reduce your cost. You'll have fewer commissions and exchange fees and transaction fees and so on. It will, oops, sorry. It will lower lower the requirement to be accurate and reduce your stress. You don't have to be as accurate anymore with your analysis because your R factor is making up for it, okay? Based on simple math. We're over our time. I know I addressed a lot of questions along the way, but if uh, you if you have something Landau that I can address here that uh, you feel is important, hit me with it. Yeah, we have a couple of pretty good questions. We could just kind of try to rapid fire through them. Sure. Um, we have a couple people, kind of a combined question is, so given that we average a 30 to 35% win rate, would the right trading plan to be just to construct an R factor that works out for that win rate to be profitable? Would that, so essentially, could they take that data and then make a trading plan based on that? And Yes, yes, you can, but with really important caveats, the but's really important here, but it has to fit your product. So just because I have a 30% win rate, and now I'm gonna go create a, a 4R plan, but then the way I trade the market or the time frame that I trade the market in isn't possibly gonna give me a 4R, because a 4R could be I risk two ticks and I get eight ticks. If you're trading the NASDAQ and you risk two ticks, you're gonna get stopped out and that win rate is gonna drop to like 3%, right? So you have to, you have to combine it within the context of your product and the way you trade the market. So it may be that you're on a 15-minute bar chart and you see you you've sized your trade so that you know you're taking more than the ATR of a 15-minute bar chart, and that's you know 15 points in the Nasdaq, but then you're shooting for 60 points when you're correct. Maybe that'll work. I don't know. But if you don't consider the point being of this. If you don't consider your R multiples or R factors into how you're trading or structuring structuring your trading plan, then you're probably over trading. You're probably um, aren't sure when you should engage, when a trade is a quality trade or not. And the mathematics in the long run over hundreds of trades will not work out. So you'll end up just whittling away the account, which is what we most often see. Okay, uh, if the outcome of a trade is random, how can we focus on trades that will give a high rate of return? Like how do we know which ones will return well versus which ones won't? And then also if we're just starting out trading live, should we uh, just go at a predetermined target and stop to get used to swinging the bat, so to speak? Yeah, so how do I get a high, uh, 
a high rate of return or a high R factor, that's a function of how you're approaching the market. The question you have to answer there is why should the market pay you? Why should it pay you? So you have to look at, there's a lot of study that goes into this. Guys, this isn't something where you show up and you've got a trading platform and an account and you can just click away. A lot of people do and they end up losing their money, but there's some study that goes with this. There's some study that goes with being an engineer, a professional engineer or a doctor or whatever that, that gets the same rate of pay. There's some study that goes with this. My approach to this is to understand the auction. So create a narrative based on the auction. Look at what the auction is saying. Lean on price action, trigger on order flow. These are my main macros, so to speak. This is my main food when it comes nutrients, when it comes to trading, you can formulate that however you want. You might be an RSI trader and you may only engage when the RSI is really outside the boundaries. You know, it's at 90 or something. And that gives you the, the snapback trade in a market that is balancing. In either case, your plan has to account for days where the market is out of balance, meaning trending or just creating a trend and when the market is balanced. So those are the subcategories of technical setups that you have to set up. Then you take those and say, okay, on balancing days, these are the setups that are likely to create a situation where my stop is a lot less likely to get triggered versus my scale outs. My first scale out is the most important one. And if I get my first scale out, I'm generally covered. And so I'm going to, it allows me the room, the psychology, which is the next thing that becomes a problem. It allows me the psychology to withstand the market kind of flapping around until it gets the next scale out. My risk is covered. Now it's all about managing a runner to maximize my R factor. That's how professionals trade. Um, in terms, I think the second question there was, I forget what the second question was. Uh, when they're just getting started trading live. Uh, should they set predetermined targets um, just to get used to swinging the bat? Uh, I, I'm against that idea. Now, if you have been beat up and therefore your emotional capital, your confidence is very low, then that's a circumstance under which I would say set a profit target and stop because what you need to do is build a series of days where you have and can trust that you've achieved or understand what you're doing enough to raise your confidence. But if you're someone who's following a process and plan, just because you got um, some target, it doesn't mean anything in my opinion. You should, you should be waiting and seeing that the market's in favor. And if the market's in favor, then I'm going to continue to execute my process until it's no longer in favor. Um, that would be my advice. But if you're looking to build confidence, then it is sometimes necessary to go ahead and just set a target. Like, hey, I've been losing $100 every day and that's my limit. So for the next three days, every time I hit $100 profit, I'm just gonna stop. And and, and that helps kind of build confidence to, to help you trust that you'll do what you need to do. But that's more of a psychological remedy than it is a technical one. And it's not advisable to stop when the market's in your favor. Most professional traders or big traders push when the market's in their favor. Okay, last thing, we have kind of some com a combined question here of three or four people. They're asking about uh, generally your take on scalping. Does R-factor apply to scalping? Like is 
large R factors more for swing traders versus scalpers. And uh, there was a comment about many scalpers are using a one half R R factor, which many scalpers may be using that. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're uh, making any money using that. But so this is um, this is how I used to trade. I used to have maybe a 0 0.7, 0.5 R, maybe one R on good days trading about 6,000 sides a day or 3,000 sides a day, basically acting as a market maker. What this meant is you have to be a member of the exchange or have extremely low uh, cost structure. It also meant that you have to be, um, you have to be very efficient, meaning my win rate is 70 to 80%, very tough to sustain in, in a, in a, mostly algorithmic environment um it puts a lot of stress on your selection of trades um i moved away from that way of trading between 2005 and 2008 or 9 i'm i slowly moved away from that that's it's like being on it's like trading on crack it's really hard to get away from thinking that way r factors are still important for scalpers now there are many different Maybe we should do a thing on scalping, uh, public webinar and scalping, but there are many flavors of scalpers. There are order flow scalpers who look for heavy imbalances and snapbacks. There are scalpers for price action and structure. There are scalpers who are trading around uh, a market a position or balance and imbalance. Uh, so it's hard to say, but our factors are a rule. It is like gravity. It applies to everything. It, it affects everything. So as a, as a scalper, you might find that you need to be correct um, 60, 70% of the, the time on a one uh, R kind of trade management structure. You have to be very, very accurate. Uh, to me, if your win rate, because you're having a bad day, falls into 5%, and so all of your data has been good, and now it's kind of losing, and your overall win rate is falling to 50% and you're on a one R factor, you're losing a lot of money in commissions and fees. Um, so accuracy becomes more important. You're, there's always this emphasis on accuracy. And in my opinion, it's hard to be accurate in a random environment. So you wanna step away from accuracy by improving your R factor so you don't have to be engaged and right and accurate all the time. Look, I've traded that way, it's a lot harder to do so. Okay, so R factors still matter. You should know what your R factor is. You should know how much you're risking for every trade that you've made um, and, and how your R factor is kind of moving within your data set. I know it's a lot of math and brainiac stuff, but you know, you need to know what you're doing statistically. Anything else? One last thing is, do you, do you place your trades and let the price come to you or do you mark it in? So I think he's just asking about limit orders versus market orders. Uh, I do both. I, I'll, I'll, I'll lift a couple of ticks up and that turns it into a market order up to that price. I will join the bid or offer in a certain environment. So if I see that we're moving into an area and are just doing this, I, I, will, I won't lift, I will just uh, join let it kind of pop a little bit and, and turn. Um, 
I will, uh, it's rare that I would enter by just putting an order out and kind of going and, you know, attending a meeting or whatever. I just don't trade that way because I need to see how the market is approaching because I'm entering on order flow. Uh, in general, most likely I am joining the bid or marketing in. Uh, my exits are all predetermined though, except for my runner. Um, I'm generally just putting putting orders out as soon as I get in and then I manage, I move my OCO orders, I move them around depending on what structure I see and I'm recalculating the R factor in my head. And it doesn't have to be accurate. I know that I took an R factor of 2.6 and by reducing my first scale out because it's against resistance, I've just brought it down to 2.4, 2.3, it's still acceptable. Uh, I will not expand a stop. I just won't take a trade. If I feel like my stop is right in the middle of something, then I sh then I was wrong and I shouldn't have taken that trade. So I will not expand my stop. And the stop is based on harmonic rotations and stuff. And we've talked about that a lot. Um, anyway, these are a lot of details. But, uh, but in general, um, uh, I'm joining the bid slash offer, which means I'm going in at at the inside bid or offer, or I'm lifting or hitting the market uh, to get in. Yeah, I think that covers us for everything. Okay, just remember folks, it's all about our factors, all about our factors. Um, and we we never trade without a stop. We never, where's the slide? We don't trade without knowing our R factor. This is why we don't move our stop once we're in. We don't trade without stops. It's uh, trading without stops is kind of like um, it's kind of like picking up pennies on a highway, you know, or trying to grab for money on a highway. You might get away with it and it's fun and all this stuff, but splat, you're dead when it goes wrong and then you have to kind of disappear and go get a job and refund and maybe even start a new Twitter account. Uh, if you're posting, I see that a lot, you know, don't trade, don't trade without stops. It just isn't intelligent because without a stop, you don't know what your R factor is without knowing your R factor is you're just, you're just chump. Uh, you're, you're going to get eaten at some point. I hope you gained something today here by being here. Of course, I invite you to join uh, Convergent Trading and support us uh, and pick up on a lot of this stuff. Go to ct.pro forward slash join. If anything, take a month, see how it goes. If you're serious about learning to trade and becoming a career professional, this is what we created this for. Thank you, Landau, for moderating and thank you all for attending. Hopefully you'll take the time to listen to this again at a later date to refresh some of these concepts. This stuff is generally reserved for prop traders or for courses and things like that. And I'm sharing it with you because I think it'll make a difference. Good luck and I'll catch you soon. Take care.